Excuse me while I whip this out. Modern games inspired by them. Greetings, new students. I hope you've got all your new student packets that were available at the front door before the seminar begins. This is the Save for Half podcast, and we're discussing a supplement for Savage Worlds, East Texas University, a university where you work real hard, get good grades, and maybe avoid being devoured by Cthulhu or some other similar creature. Go Ravens. That's right. <laughs> caw, caw. <laughs> nevermore, nevermore. <laughs> and I am DM Mike, one of your hosts, and I will be playing the role of Sam from the Reaper series. Because college mm-hmm. makes me sleepy. <laughs> and joining me is DM Liz, who will be p- playing the role of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yay! <laughs> Speaking of vampire slayers, DM Corbett is Spike. Well, if I knew you were going to do Reaper, I would have been Sock. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, you are pretty socky, aren't you? <laughs> Not a goat cheese kind of guy, but this is really good. <laughs> is it weird that we replaced our parents with a couple... with a couple of gay guys not weird sam <laughs> genius oh i should have said i wanted to be seth green because he dated willow before she went gay which plus the red hair is a third of my dating history already well, anyway haven't gotten to you yet so <laughs> he's the character he just mentioned <laughs> jim jim is that guy he was the werewolf I'm, 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 I'm a very nice person 27 days of the month yeah, sorry. I saw the Buffy movie, but I never actually watched the TV show, honestly. Couldn't remember his name. Oz. He was Oz. Oz. Okay. Oz. <laughs> and we're review- reviewing East Texas University by 12 to Midnight Games for the Savage World Gaming System. We have opinions. Hopefully good opinions, but we shall see. Cogent. That's there what are, we should check There for. are always opinions. Right. Onward to top five. What do you get when a fantasy gaming horror sci-fi geek and an army veteran history nerd want to do a comic book related podcast? Why? You get the Weird Wars podcast, of course. Weird War Tales was a 124 issue DC comic book series published from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll sidetrack on to an occasional special mission where we discuss an issue of a like themed comic book from a different title or publisher. There are also the rare Road Warriors episodes where we report on comic related road trips like conventions 
conventions or visiting the homes and grave sites of comic greats. We'll nitpick what the comics creative team got wrong and crawl about what they got right. We'll also break down the facts behind the fiction in the stories which is sometimes quite weird in its own right. Even the letters page and our favorite ads can't escape our judgment, just as we can't escape yours in our own dead letter office mailbag. Torpedo-eating dinosaurs. Haunted chateaus. Time-traveling rats. Zombie robots. Day-walking vampires. Gargoyle armies. And that's just in the first 20 Weird War Tales episodes. So, report for duty with the Weird Warriors podcast with Max and Rich, where we promise to make war no more. Impressions, Corvette. Actually, I really wanted to read this book because it was probably one of the last things that a friend of mine who died wanted me to read. I was excited to, to read it. So thanks, Liz. Uh, was that Dave? Yeah. Aww. Yeah, it's his book. Much like Mike, my friends die off and I wind up with a bunch of books. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other side, uh, it's got a lot of things that bug the living crap out of me just first read through. So I hate you, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Honestly, it was it's a fun, well-made hardback. It's pretty. It's got good art. It's not bad. Twenty odd pages, right? Somewhere yeah, it's not. That. It's not like a harsh read. It's not so gruesome to like. It's not like some kind of Dresden file book that Liz would make us read arbitrarily for punishment. <laughs> okay. So uh, overall, okay. Liz, rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> That was very well thought out and a cogent argument, Corbett. However, you are absolutely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the artwork's terrible. <laughs> well, I don't have the hardback version. I bought mine off of Amazon and it's a softback. But one of the reasons I picked the book to review, okay, the main reason, was because I spent most of my teenage years in East Texas and East Texas is where I met both Mike and Corbett. <laughs> so I was kind of looking forward to seeing how much of the real East Texas was, you know, touched on in the supplement. And if there were any little Easter eggs, I might be able to figure out, you know, reading through it. I, th I think they did a pretty good job. And I, East Texas University, to me, I mean, it sounds like it's heavily based off of Stephen F. Austin State University. But you look at the map of ETU's campus, and it looks more along the lines of, say, Tyler Junior College, as far as size goes, going by the map. So, you know. Pine Box seems pretty small, too. Yeah. It's only like a 12,000, or no, it's a 19,000 person town. Yeah, which, real, real tiny. Which um, also made me think of Nacogdoches. No, Nacogdoches was like 50,000 people back in 2000, and it was 30,000 back in 1990. Mm. What about yeah, Lufkin? That's about what we went. <laughs> Well, I'm just giving you an idea. Lufkin. Yeah, Lufkin. Makes every it, or every state has one of those. In Ohio, it's it's uh, it's Athens, Ohio, with Ohio State University and their Halloween thing every year. In the 70s, they would flip and burn cars. It's a little calmer now that yeah. they have a Halloween weekend. Jim lived in a different time. <laughs> the dark times. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I had a really good time reading through this. Okay. Jim? 
I think this is a super competently put together RPG. I mean, the look and feel and finish are all just spot on. At the risk of being a complete when I can't see any design choices, I would or could do better. It gets my big seal of approval. Does that make sense? I mean, I yeah. might do some of it differently, but that's just because I have my own voice. But I couldn't do it any better than this what's yeah. in this book. Okay. My view, pretty much the same way Liz came out on it. There are parts of it that are a bit dry, but, you know, it gets the information across. So I certainly won't grouse it for that. If I played Savage Worlds, I'd probably use this. As it is, I might use it somewhere else. So top five then. And we'll start again with Corbett. Oh. <laughs> I really got under his fingernails this time, didn't I? That'll learn you. That's okay. That's okay. Okay, first out of the box, the Greek original name generator, because I don't want to offend people uh, for from Greek frats and sororities and all that. I thought it was cute. I thought it was a it's a it's a card based random generator for the Greek names, but uh, that way the trilams won't sue them. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all I could think of was the Revenge of the Lambda, Nerds. Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Well, I saw yeah. the Omega and Moo there somewhere, and I thought, oh, yeah, too, yeah. Now, that's a real yeah. thing. My college comic strip, I had to use Delta Tau Kai from Animal House because I didn't want any trouble with the Greeks. They all have their little following. But I thought it was a neat little generator system. It's nothing big, but it's, it's for a table. It's okay. Start off simple. Okay. I'll get angry later. Well, we know how much Liz loves tables, so, you know. Oh, indeed, that's I true. do. <laughs> So what's yours? Oh, I'm next? Yep. Okay. I will go for my number five. East Texas University successfully does what Alma Mater tried to do insofar as mm. recreating the student experience. Oh, wow. That is a good point. And it is early yet for you to be stealing one of my top five. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think it, you know, it works better with college students than it does with yeah. Alma Mater's high school scenario, you know, especially with some of the things that they tried to include that felt really distasteful for underage yeah. high school freshmen. I was thinking that too. I'm sorry, yeah. Liz. I meant to say I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, ETU, it's got the mechanics for taking exams, for studying, for parties, you know, all those things. And it's not as clunky in how they do it. Also, nobody rules their classroom with an iron fish. So, <laughs> at least not that I know of. <laughs> you didn't go to the right Texas university, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, if you wanted to do a game that focused on the student experience, I think you could go much farther and have a much better time using the mechanics in this little supplement than if you tried to just, you know, forge your way through the alma mater rules. Agreed. Okay. Jim? This is a great setting. I mean, we're in not my cup of tea game-wise territory, but that doesn't mean that the setting wasn't I didn't really like the way the setting was written, and I'll explain what I mean. There's plenty of enough meat in the book to run a campaign world exactly as they tell you, and you'll be fine. But it's not that super gazetteer, just, you know, pages and pages of stuff you might never use. So you've got a kind of a backbone of a setting that you could easily adapt as a game master to much more closely match a, a specific media genre base. Like uh, this thing read to me, and you guys, t you, 
It's your game list. Tell me if I got it right. This thing is supposed to play like Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Friday Night Lights, except in college. So, <laughs> have, I, have I got it right? And one of the things that I will probably talk about later is, you know, I think that's the first impression I got, but you could do almost anything with this and you could make it feel however you wanted. This is my point. You could use these rules to run Buffy the Vampire Slayer RPG. You could do Fringe the College Years RPG. Um, you could even... A uh, teenage Ghostbusters Afterlife game with these rules. Yeah, yeah, supernatural. You know, there's all kinds of stuff you could do with this. So that's for me. It's that's just the setting. just right setting writing, where it's yeah. just enough that you could run a whole campaign as is, because not everybody wants to do 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 it yourself. Or you could use this as a backbone to build off what you wanted to do. Okay, thumbs up for that. Cool. Okay, my five. Like most Savage World stuff I've looked at, they have what they call an adventure generator in the back with lots of Mm. tables using cards where you can (laughs) pull a card out if you're stuck for an adventure or truly want to just generate something random and got a lot of uh, good question mark things to go on and mess up your life either supernatural or just you know social friction with other students or professors or anybody like that you can also have good things happen to you but it's pretty good um We were talking about themes. If you're going to use the adventure generator, it tends to go to the more macabre than lighter-hearted stuff. But, you know, any dean, who the GM is called in this game, whoever the dean is could, you know, of course, twist that as much as they want. I'd just like to point out that one of the things that can happen is the death of a dog and or cat. (laughs) So it ain't just me. (laughs) I am not married to one of the writers of East <laughs> Texas University. JJ, you just won't let that go ever. Will I will you? not. <laughs> Corbett, four. No pet deaths allowed. <laughs> okay. Do you do lists that way in games you run? Like, here's a mini moose. Isn't he cute? Squash, now he's dead. <laughs> they didn't see the dogs die. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I, I just didn't imagine, you know, a married couple would need those fancy new cards they have at the table now for your trigger alerts. <laughs> With an X. <laughs> you hurt dogs. I hate you. <laughs> I want a divorce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Corbett, four. All right. I, I, I know it's not a bad setting. I, I generally like a lot of the, the stuff that's written about the whole, like, it's a university town. Here's the town. They give a lot of details about everything. So you have a good setting. I have a problem with the fact that they call it East Texas because there are a lot of things in it that keep making me think this is not East Texas in any way whatsoever. Like, but like I will what? give you I'm gonna give you two examples. Cool. Two examples for anybody who has lived in East Texas. They are going to know, oh, well, yeah. Jim like, is the only person in this group who can say, I don't know what you're talking about. And actually I bet he'll still know what I'm talking about because he's still from Kentucky. Are there no pine forest in East Texas? What? No, 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 there's, there's pine tons. No, no. In the town of Pine Box, which is the town, and it's well laid out, talks about like almost every little building or at least important building there, there is one church. <laughs> to quote my wife, when I first took her to East Texas to visit and see my family and what have you, she asked me in all sincerity, is it a Texas law that there's a church or a chicken shack on every single corner? Oh, yeah, Kentucky, it's, you. it's a church and a liquor <laughs> store okay, on every corner. You've got, okay, you got a valid point there. Yeah. There are probably 50 churches in Tyler. Well, a friend of ours from Tucson who drove down and she got out of the car and at 
uh, Dusty's place, and the first thing she said is, is there a damn church on every single corner uh-huh. of this place? Uh-huh. <laughs> and we had Even to get, in y- um, yeah. Yeah, there is. Yep, yep, there is. I love that scene in Young Sheldon where Sheldon's grandmother is introducing Young Sheldon to one of her boyfriends who's Jewish. And he's like, what made you move to Texas if you're Jewish? He's like, oh, well, they had an opening, so I I jumped in and filled it. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. The other thing is they, they mention safe houses in the university, and they never once mention tornado shelter anywhere in the university. And I don't know if you've ever lived in East Texas, like everybody on this podcast except for Jim. Well, no, but Kentucky is scarily just like that. Okay, <laughs> that I got a question, because I lived in Texas, I lived in East Texas for years, and I never noticed anybody having particular tornado shelters anywhere. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. Tornadoes are like a thing. It's just part of your life. When I went to Sabine High School in Liberty City, you know, it was the, oh, there's a tornado, you know, put go in the hall and put a book on your head. <laughs> Well, actually, usually you get on your desk. It's part of the, you know, nuclear drill, too. <laughs> oh, well, but either way, we didn't go to a shelter, I, is my point. Liz, no, I always had the did basement you somewhere. I did Storm not shelter? really start worrying about the existence of tornadoes as a regular thing until we moved up to North Texas here in Denton. But when you were at school at White House or something, was there like tornado shelters in the basement? Not that I'm aware that sort of. of. Thing. Yeah. A storm shelter on everybody's property that I knew growing up. Well, but I only grew up there from birth. <laughs> well, then you knew different people because, sorry. <laughs> Maybe you had to be like out in Chapel Hill or something. Maybe it's because I'm from East Texas. I'm just so annoyed with that. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I think Corbett's going to die on this hill. We better just agree All with right. him. Okay. Sure. 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 It's an okay background. If they called it Spooky University, I probably wouldn't care. It'd be like, okay, cool. There's a well laid out university with lots of fun little stuff in the background. Cool. All right. Okay. We're good. Okay. Liz? <laughs> All righty. This one is probably not being covered by anyone else. As Mike mentioned at the beginning of the show, the people who developed Pine Box and the ETU supplement is a company called 12 to Midnight. Up until very recently, they had an active website at 12tomidnight.com. As of the time of this recording, I've been getting an, an internal server error when I try to go to the site. But you can still access it through archive.org's Wayback Machine. They've got some really good extra information about Pinebox that can be mined for a campaign. And some of the stuff that they talk about on the site verifies Mike's and my feeling about how this is meant to be roughly in the Nacogdoches Lufkin area. There's an interview talks about how, or a fake interview, there's a post that's done in an interview transcript format. And this reporter's interviewing someone, they're talking about how, oh yeah, we're just right off of State Highway 96, and that goes north to south. There's a real town of Pineland which sits on 96 in real-life Texas, and it's right in the middle of Sabine National Forest. I really enjoy—this is a very long-winded way of saying that I enjoyed how the writers tried to take elements of real areas— and use it to build their fictional town. The wordplay on Pine Box is pretty clever too. You it can be a you can be talking about the piney woods of East Texas and also a play on death with Pine Box mm, as a box. reference to a, a, a coffin. You know, because <laughs> this place will kill you. 
I know we talked about it uh, before we went on air, and I now understand Nacogdoches is the name of a town in Texas, but I still think it sounds like an adjective Sean Penn's character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High would use. <laughs> He's Nacogdoches, dude. Yeah. Nacogdoches, man. Or Nacogdoches, as we used to call it. Or sack of roaches. Or... Uh, all right, Jim. And that's how we find out if we have any listeners in Nacogdoches, Texas, because we'll get an email. <laughs> Um, I want to make sure, I, since I'm relatively new to Savage Worlds, I got this right. Is is the uh, term type equate to class? Kind of, like archetype. Okay. I thought the types were interesting, and my top five pick is to just ask each one of you, if you played this game, which class would you play? Because I looked at that list and went, well, I guess I'd take journalists, because that's what I actually did in college, was work for the student newspaper. And I loved being up everybody's butt and knowing where all the bodies were buried, so to speak. In this game, that would be real bodies. <laughs> my I, my character, I would do general studies. <laughs> the character types, like the activist, the country oh, boy, oh, okay. the crusader, that kind of thing. Yeah, the, the archetypes. Uh, but not the scholar. Well, scholar's a type, isn't it? I thought it was one of them. I just I just had Mike pegged for librarian or scholar because I figured he'd be one to, one to be in the books. How about you, Corbett? I don't know. That librarian was kind of hot, so... I actually had a cultist as one of my frustrating ones, but I kind of liked it. But but, because there's no religious zealot type, which there are plenty of in East Texas. True. (laughs) Very true. Let me prove I've read these rules. There may only be one church, but the head guy there will make you uh, holy water by the gallon. It says so in the rules. Yeah, I thought that was funny. (laughs) You got a distribution warehouse. (laughs) I don't know. The occultist was kind of neat. Okay. They well, did that have was a Walmart, a though. Speaking of <laughs> that's true. East they Texas. did cover Walmart. Yep. How about you, Mike? What's your four? Uh, <laughs> oh, we never heard Liz's. Drat. Yeah, what would you play? What type <laughs> she would be? I, I was so close to having you just completely zip pie me. Oh, no. Oh, good catch. Okay, so we've got... Oh, Jim held us to awkward decisions, so he should hold you to one, too. Wait, wait, I'm a journalist. Corbett's an occultist. What were you again, Mike? Scholar. Although oh, you, are, you said the librarian was kind of hot, so and round us sorority out, sister. That's got to be Liz. You got to pick one. It's going to be actor performer, isn't it? No. <laughs> well, not if I was going to be. Are these basing what we would have, what we were in real life, or just what we would want no, to no, play? We're playing a game. What do you play. want to play? Hmm. I'll play the martial artist. I was just okay. thinking of the of a ninja or something. Yeah, she does like gymnasts and ballerinas and stuff. I forgot about ninja that. Ninja debutante sort of thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Martial artist, cheerleader, vampire killer, that type of thing. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> exactly. That sounds no, I, plausible. I think I like this plan because Liz is at the front of the marching order now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my four. I liked the list of Texasisms. Sort of a glossary for interpreting conversation. About the only thing I would probably say is about half of those were probably more generic Southern than specifically East Texan. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would have pointed out. It's like, that's not just Texas, because I've heard a lot of these uh, in Georgia and other Southern states, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You're all hat and no cattle, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch some ball. There's no other sport. There is only football. That is certainly Texas. That's true. That dog won't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Scoey. 
Uh, <laughs> okay, quick. Three. Corbett. I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a, a very good equivalent to this, and it's a fun romp as far as, you know, Buffy, you run out, you fight vampires, stuff, stuff, stuff. I don't think it's realistic to play this as a contemporary setting. You'd have to play it as a 1990s, 1980s, you know, maybe 2000 setting, because if there were vampires out there in a secret world hiding, I can guarantee a Bigfoot would be putting them on Twitter in five seconds. <laughs> You'd have the werewolf doing the Tide Pod challenge by now. It's cool. It's cool thinking about that pre-2000, you know, it's the end of the world coming up and the, the apocalyptic dark world thing happening. But you know, with the, the way technology and everything is now, eh. Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> at how little the internet was referenced in the mm -hmm. book. Like, I, I was thinking, like, this should really be a, a sort of time genre-based thing. Yeah, it's got a very 90s vibe to it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Number three. Okay, Liz? This is something that Mike and I are kind of going to disagree with, I know. We were talking about earlier, one of the things in the book, they talk about how you are required by the time you become a junior to pick a major. Oh. You cannot... <laughs> graduate with a general studies degree, which in real life you totally can. <laughs> we had a roommate mm -hmm. who did that. Yeah, but games mechanics-wise, you want to pick a major freshman year, so you get the bennies, right? Right, and that was one of the things that you know I was thinking of. Realistically, you certainly can do general studies all the way, but with the game mechanics on how you take exams, picking a major gives you benefits when you're rolling to whether or not you pass your exam. As you go further on, junior year, senior year especially, the negative modifiers for your exams get so big, you really need to have that positive modifier from having chosen a major to give yourself a fighting <laughs> chance to actually pass. Well, I thought it was weird the edges are based off of your, your year base. Because like, if you were to play a Buffy character, a Demon Slayer, couldn't do that until you're a senior. Sorry. <laughs> well, they, they, want you, they want you to grow as a character. They're trying to prevent you from starting right out the gate, everybody being able to just totally kick Free art! You know, I saw it as the this version of you're starting out as a first level character and you're getting your stuff as you get experience encountering monsters and things. Yeah, you start off yeah. a freshman fighting guys in Halloween outfits. And, yeah, and you start off Scooby-Doo. You right, know, you and, graduate. And when you graduate, you've made it to Buffy. <laughs> yeah, but technically, if you're a terrible student and your parents are paying your way through, you could be like a six-year sophomore. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah. What I'm hearing is the authors of this game attempted to put the brakes on power gamers and min-maxers, even though that never works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. And if you're a terrible student, then you wind up getting suspended, and there's mechanics for that, too. So... Yeah. Again, very alma mater, but better. Okay, Jim, three? Yeah, not just better, but less unsavory. <laughs> Indeed. Which is odd with, with one with supernatural monsters in it, and it's still less unsavory. <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> <laughs> See, the 70s weren't all golden either. Uh, <laughs> I really like the annoying roommate table. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it would work great as an annoying roommate table. You're rolling, what, how is your roommate annoying? But when I read it, I didn't read the title. And I'm like, oh, is this the annoying girlfriend table? Because it, it, matched, it happened to it match my personal way. experiences in college. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. which to be fair, in those days, I was no prize pick either myself. But 
ADHD, you uh, know, annoying. overbearing parents, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, check, 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 check. Oh, they left off red hair. <laughs> annoying fill in the blank table. This yeah. table could be used for just about anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be annoying. Yes. Yes. Roommate, coworker, you know, just anyone. Just put that in there. I just picked that one out of the hat because it struck me. But all the tables are really good. Although I, I don't have any experience with using a card deck instead of a number generator. But how different could it be? Yeah. What's that card. last card at the bottom? That's the the worst result. The Joker. The Joker. Yeah, the Joker is the one. Oh, thing. Joker. That jo- yeah. That Joker is the Free art. card in every one yeah. of those tables, like the random adventure table you were talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. At the bottom of it, the Joker is complications. Roll two more times in the table. I'm like, oh, that's my kind of table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my three. I know it's a reflection of real colleges, but I think it's also really great that they import the idea that freshmen and sophomores must live on campus. Because as a guy who do, who tends to GM a lot, I love how that extra complication can be thrown at the players. It's like, not only do you have to stop the Wendigo from devouring students on campus, but you've also got to do it in a way that you, you're not like hiding a minigun under your cot at, in your uh, dorm room. Yeah, you got to be back to the dorm before lights out or right. lock the doors. And if you show up covered in blood, well, you know. <laughs> well, nobody's going to TikTok about it, so it's fine. Yeah. Well, an, an RA in this game would be a great NPC to, for the GM to run. Oh, yeah. Very true. The, the, the seen it all, been there, RA. <laughs> Especially if it turns out they are like a former supernatural hunter, too. Oh, that's no catfish. You caught a deep one. <laughs> <laughs> See the hands? Come on. How long have you been fighting evil? So, yeah, I really like that, and I love the complications it can provide. <laughs> Corbett, number two. I'm going to dovetail off of Liz and go after Mike as the enemy. <laughs> exam standards in the game if you take an exam as a freshman you have no penalty if you take an exam as a sophomore you're at minus one if you take an exam as a junior you're minus two and if you take an exam as a senior you're minus four i presume this is them trying to emulate the idea that the exams get harder but if anybody has been to college which i know nobody here has but let me try to walk you through it (laughs) (laughs) there are classes you can pick that you could take a second year class, your first year or your fourth year or your third year. It's like you you pay for them and then take them as you have to. And there's electives that really are different every time. Granted, I get that the classes in your specific field are going to get harder, but hypothetically, your skills should be getting better. So to Mike, as a teacher, do students always say stupid or is that just normal? <laughs> oh, I know the answer Ooh. to this. Oh, Mike. <laughs> I have no recollection of that at this time, Senator. Uh, it's nothing big. It was just kind of like, that's weird. Uh, Come on, man. Your students don't listen to this podcast. Tell us. Give us the dirt. Do, do, do your students stay stupid throughout all four years? Uh, well, I only get the freshmen and sophomores, so I honestly can't tell you. It is my experience that they, the ones who make it to sophomore are some on average, are a little better than the freshmen. So, so I suppose the answer is a qualified no. They you successfully made your avoidance roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Liz, two. Number two. Okay. <laughs> I am going to possibly step on Jim's toes again and talk a little bit about magic 
in East Texas University. I don't have any magic on my list. You wow. Go. All right. <laughs> That's a bit of a shocker. I know. I, I was holding back on it thinking, you know, I know Jim is going to talk about this and I don't want to take it. You have clearance from the Wizard Tower to magic ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, it's uh, this is a very low magic type of supplement. But of course, as the GM or the dean or, you know, however you want to refer to yourself, you know, you can add more as you like. But the magic as it's presented in ETU is primarily ritual based. There's a lot of work that goes into casting magical spells within this supplement. And you better not screw up or draw a joker. Yes. It's like, depending on the ritual, it can be very dangerous to attempt. And they've got tables for ritual failures, possible corruption effects for a player who dabbles in black magic. And as Jim mentioned with drawing the joker, you know, if something goes really, really wrong, you can accidentally summon a demon. <laughs> and then there's a sub table where does he stick around till sunup? Up or 666 days. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I was just doing a ritual to find out who this credit card oh. I found belonged to. And oh. I've got a demon. <laughs> My God. I just had an idea of an updated sitcom version of My Favorite Martian. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Only it's the guy who That's... summons a demon. <laughs> Uncle Scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and what, the demon has to try to go to classes and pretend to be a freshman roommate? What? Or, yeah, or, or is invisible and just sitting around making snide comments, or, yeah, pretends to be, decides it wants to go to college, too. <laughs> oh, Mike, I'll, I'll make you a deal right here, right now. As soon as the technology is there, you and I will do a Kickstarter to get uh, Ray Walston and Bill Bixby and my favorite demon. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a web show. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I forgot that was Bill Bixby. Yeah. Many, many moons ago. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, ma magic is serious business in, in this Don't game. Don't do it in your dorm room. That's right. You know, it, Unless your roommate is a demon, in um, which case you've already got that covered. So. Yeah. It's like it, it's okay if you summon another one, then it'll be you know demon fight. <laughs> now you just spun my head up with a demon roommate that rolls on that annoying roommate table. Hey, oh, he's a demon and he's got ADHD. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you're out of beer. <laughs> the toilet paper goes on the spool this way. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, Jim. Number two. Speaking of clearance from the tower, clearance to uh, curmudgeon rant, please. Okay. Uh, this is, Corbett had his hill. He's going to die on. This is mine. Enough already with the giving the GM a different name in every single game and genre. I'm just old, and I've, <laughs> I know we were all young, and we all wrote our first game, and that was our bright idea to do. I'm tired of it. The, the GM in this game is called the Dean, and that would just be fancy and worthless, except in the rules, I got confused. And I'm reading through Dean this, Dean that, and at this point, the, the Dean rolls on the demon summoning table. I'm like, I'm not going to college with a Dean that summons demons. What the hell? Oh, wait, they meant the GM. Oh, all right. 
Yeah. They're being clever. If you're listening to this <laughs> podcast and you're about to write your first RPG, please, we've got Dungeon Master gets to happen because D&D came first. But, you know, you've got Game Master, Judge, Referee. And even that's not what they absolutely started with. They adopted it. You've got lots of things you can refer to them in the rules besides having to get fancy. Yeah. Well, i got to admit, I ran into that problem, too. That's why Victorious has the genteel magistrate, but you, it shortens to GM. So, Well, we, we've all been there. For, uh, I showed the earliest version of my, uh, Mutant Crawl Classics to Mike Curtis for feedback, and the first thing he said is, why did you rename all the abilities, you know, when they're just the same? I'm like, uh, I don't know why. Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> to be fancy. That's not a good reason. Okay. Thus endeth the rant. Okay. My number two. I, I, I love how the book specifically points out that there's not a noticeable number of disappearances from the college to make Pine Box stand out from any other school or part of the country, because you figure a lot of people disappearing would bring the attention of law enforcement. But it doesn't here mm-hmm. because... Anyone who disappears is simply listed as having withdrawn from the college. (laughs) And all I could think of is, no one ever escapes from Stalag 13. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Hi, little. I know nothing. Nothing. So yes, nobody escapes because nobody wants to. There are no disappearances because they just withdrew. Wink, wink. Well, see, I thought that was funny just because never in role-playing history has somebody disappeared from a college and not drawn national attention. Oh, yeah. Steam tunnels, especially. (laughs) Emergency 911. That's my number two. Corbett, take us home. Number one. Okay, this is my last chance to rant, so I'm going to rant one more time. But but this was more generic because it's true for any school in the South, any of them from even from Kentucky. I'm sure Kentucky did the same thing. First, there's football team. Then they add a class and that's a school. That's the way it works in the South. No lies detected for Kentucky, <laughs> except maybe it, you would substitute basketball. <laughs> maybe, but still the, the, the sports teams make the school and the school kind of exists on the side. I think it's weird. They they point out like, oh, there's there's football, like in a paragraph or two, but like, dude. Anyway, that's that's just my my little rant uh, on the Well, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I'm not arguing the point. I'm just curious what I suppose they could have put in some like football team, res, you know, game results generator or what 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 is it well, you would prefer? When when Mike pointed out or when Mike, not Jim Sorry, I get you all mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, when Jim pointed out uh, the Friday Night Lights, I was like, yeah, that's basically Buffy the Vampire meets Friday Night Lights. That would be East Texas University. But they don't have Friday Night Lights. There's like, and there's a sports center and, the, you know, go Ravens. But that's it. They really don't like any school in the South. High school all the way into college. There's a football team first and then the school. Middle school, too. <laughs> Nowadays. Um, What's interesting, Corbett, is the only, I love the art through this whole book, but the only piece of art I would pick on if I, if you made me pick on one was the little raven head ETU symbol. Oh, yeah. A very uh, RPG art instead of like that stylized thing that all the schools actually use. Yeah. A a logo. Yeah. It should look like a logo. I agree with that. Well, actually, I kind of, as far as art, I, I find it weird that everybody's wearing cowboy hats. Really, baseball caps is way more common, but 
you know, what do I know? I'm just from East Texas. <laughs> anyway. These are real things. None of you have probably read or played the DCC adventure, The Chain Coffin by Michael Curtis, but he sent it to us with explicit instructions to play test where we offended by the Appalachian references in there because he just uh, wanted to see if he'd crossed any lines because he's New York Long Island boy. That's pretty cool. So you're from Texas. You get to pitch about this. Okay. Nah, it's fine. It's a good, it's, it's a good setting. It's just... It's frustrating when you when you have been there. I was reading a series from a uh, Australian author, John Birmingham, which has it's kind of a post-apoc where people are moving into East Texas, and he's talking all in all about the rich black dirt of Tyler and its environs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, oh, that just took me way out. <laughs> it's called the Red River for a reason, guys. Red mud. So I, I, I hear where you're coming from. I guess we managed to avoid tornado shelters. What can I say? I don't know what to tell you, man. They were everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, Liz. Number one. Number one. Okie dokie. It's got your usual thing, NPCs and special creatures just for the supplement. Uh, what I especially enjoyed about the special creatures is, you know, you've got more than your generic, you know, oh, here's a chupacabra, you know, that sort of thing. Vampire, but werewolf. They actually did try to include some creatures that are known to have been sighted in the Texas area. One of them, you know, they call it in here skunk ape, but it's basically a version of a Yeti or Sasquatch. A Sasquatch. And yeah, there have been all kinds of reports of creatures like that, you know, just doing a little bit of digging. Those of you who are um, familiar at all with KLTV, um, Channel 7 ABC in Tyler, Texas, they even had a story that you can find on their archived stories websites about a photographer who thought he had taken photos of what was possibly a Bigfoot and the KLTV that, I don't know if he still works for KLTV, but at the time, Bob Hallmark was one of the reporters for the TV station. And he actually had an interview with that guy and about how, you know, he'd taken the pictures and this thing had thrown rocks at him. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, oh. they've got the they've got the skunk ape, they've got Hogzilla and Hogzilla. Yeah. <laughs> so That one made my heart sing. Everybody needs to fight a Hogzilla once in their gaming <laughs> career. There was a friend of ours had an actual for real Borzilla on her property. They saw it out there and their first thought was, "Why is that cow on its knees?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like Wait a, minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, crap. That's a bar. It's like, and should that was we real. shoot it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it might come this way. <laughs> you know, it's funny that he mentioned in the, the, the critters section, he mentioned alligators and, and fire ants, but didn't make any like mystical type additions in there. Fire ants are but... evil enough. They are. They are bad. <laughs> and yeah, they really played up the fire ants correctly. I saw yeah. what they did, Corbett. They're kind of giving you the spread. Okay, here are the normal animals found in East Texas. Okay, here are the cryptids. 
that are non-magical but crazy creatures and then here's uh, everything else you know Mm. spectral forces and so forth okay all right jim one um i'm not at all familiar with savage world so i have no idea what role the gm plays and how that might differ from my more traditional style of gaming but i really liked the whole dual tracking of success metrics in this game that for the players to succeed they both got to solve mysteries and keep their grades up and not get kicked out of school and mm. I just think as a GM, the diabolical GM, that would be two lovers to keep the story hopping for the players. Keep oh, the yeah. challenges coming. I, I just thought that was that was a little chef's kiss part of the game. Yeah, it's like a lot of superhero games. You know, sometimes it's as much fun to annoy the character as their secret identity as it is the being a super. I agree, Mike. But when I started pulling that stuff in Champions, they just thought I was being Free a art. GM. But this is written right in the rules. You're like, you've got to keep your grades up. And go fight the devils, demons, witches, warlocks, and Bigfoots. Okay. Well, my number one. I debated. I had several things that I had thought about for number one. But since we're talking critters, I'm going to say I really liked the beautiful people. As a monster, (laughs) that was great because it kind of had aspects of a vampire. But it's not a vampire. But there's just enough there so that if someone's initially investigating, they might think they're vampires. Also, those horror movies, Species, kind of a bit of that there, too. And Stepford Wives. Oh, there's a deep cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like, wow, these are three buttons at once. And, you know, in the Adventure Generator, they only managed to reference the fly once. So, you know, that's awesome. Well done. All right. Well, that's our top five. So let's see what makes the save and what... (laughs) And the other one. The other one. (laughs) Liz, I'm glad you made us all read this. Aw, thank you. Eh. (laughs) All right. (laughs) There's a big, bold flavor to the West. A heritage built by strong men with a zest for life and a taste for adventure. That's the West. Big, bold, untamed. That's the taste of Big Red chewing gum. Big, bold, untamed. Big Red, the gum with the tall taste that refreshes in a different way that makes your mouth come alive. Big Red. Chew the gum called Big Red with a bold, clean bite and the big, strong flavor that's bound to hit you right. Big Red. Chew the gum called Big Red that's apart from the rest that captures the spirit of the big wild west. Big Red. Make Big Red your brand. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Ed's nuclear-powered popcorn popper, the popcorn popper that never leaves a kernel of corn unpopped. Remember, with Ed's nuclear-powered popcorn popper, Meltdown isn't just for butter anymore. What makes the save and what is going to take? Free art! Saves and stuff. This time we'll start oh, with man, Jim. Are you still got butt hurt over saying it wrong for 40 <laughs> episodes in a row? <laughs> I I was following the bumper. I wasn't saying it wrong. I'm sorry I started up. I didn't mean to. Certain people who didn't listen to the bumper might think otherwise, but yeah. 
where were we? Oh yeah. What makes the save for me is it's just a nice tight setting with plenty of background to run a great campaign. And if you're a fan of the sort of broad investigative kids genre and the Savage Worlds rule set, highly recommend it. What doesn't make the save is if your preferences run to more traditional heroic fantasy and sci-fi and D20 rule mechanics, there's not a lot for you in this game. Which me personally, that's where I would be. I appreciate the design and and everything about this game. It's just not my cup of tea. It's sort of low-level super at best. To be more serious about what I was joking about before, I didn't even want to read this game. You know, I, I judged a book by its cover. I didn't even want to read it. But after I got into it, I got intrigued because it's so well put together. Okay. Uh, Liz? Okay, what makes the save? Pretty much what Jim said. You can do just about anything with the supplement, you know, even if you don't play Savage Worlds. It's primarily ideas in a setting, and you can drop it into any rule set you prefer. The f- flavor of the campaign, you can you know do whatever you want with as, as well. I think this lends itself to anything from, as we mentioned earlier, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You could have an X-Files feel campaign you could go full cthulhu with this too i got excited about playing in the pine box texas environs just reading through the book what doesn't make the save uh, there there's a lot of tables i mean i've 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 seen games with more to be sure but my version of the book the softback there were just under 100 pages and mm-hmm. you've got a lot of tables on these pages from everything from creating as we talked about creating your own greek organization what kind of annoying roommate you have it's like many of these are for fun flavor info so there's that at least you know you're not just going into minutia with tables so i do appreciate that but again for what i've got less than a hundred page supplement there's more tables than you really need here in my opinion liz i don't think you go back this far you know in the old old days that was the way you uh would make page count or puff it up like when, <laughs> when yeah. pages had to fall in a layout in groups of eight and you didn't and you had like seven empty pages well just put some more tables in the game <laughs> I promise you, that's what they used to do. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> well, that's one thing I'll say about the adventure generating table. There's really no mechanics as part of it. You could use that table for anything. Exactly. And yeah. yes, it's set up to use playing cards, but you could easily take any of those and set it up for convert it to rolling percentile or whatever you wanted to do to get your random result. The adventure generator is awesome. Even if you took nothing else out of this book and wanted to use something in your own horror campaign, you could use the adventure generator tables in here and take them anywhere. For a game that's set in West Texas, even. Indeed. Even West Texas. <laughs> I dare oh, say dear. you could probably <laughs> use these tables in a game that was set in Georgia. Wow. Or Mississippi. And get crazy here. Yep. All right, Corbett. Oh, it makes it safe. I agree with everybody. It, it's a great setting setup. Uh, like if you were going to take a university and plop it down somewhere, you, you would know every single dorm, the town that surrounds that university. And if you've ever been to college, you pretty much know the town, the college, the college town. It's it's all in one big package. And that's kind of the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you would want to set it in the 90s to make the setting work right because of the way technology is now. But I think it still would be fun. It'd be a fun. I like Buffy. I thought it was great. You could do a Scooby-Doo-ish thing, I guess. Uh, agreed. Parts and of yeah, this reminded just... me of meddling kids. Yeah. Yeah. Of... yeah. Just much more gritty. 
meddling kids when they go to college. But what doesn't make the save is it kind of feels, I think they, they lean this in to be a Call of Cthulhu setup, but you can't do that with Savage Worlds. They don't have insanity rules. So you would wind up blowing up everything you find. Good. The, the, <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what I don't like about Call of Cthulhu. You're gonna die. Well, well no, it's just the the sanity rules are are kind of easy to beat, and actually you get uh, jaded. Like I fight a vampire. Oh my gosh, I fight another vampire. Well, I've kind of seen one before, so I'm okay. So you know, you keep fighting the same thing. You're you're just gonna keep rolling through it and shooting and blasting your way through everything. Oh, Corbin, which now I you're think... making me want to run this game. Save <laughs> Saved by the Bell. <laughs> the college years, ah. Pine Box, Texas. You know, I think that time stop ability would kick in pretty well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's the only downside. It really can't be. I could complain about the East Texas thing all I want, but that's just a window dressing. The uh, it, it, for for a sneaky, let's sneak around Cthulian type mystery. I don't think you can pull it off without changing the rules that Savage Worlds has for insanity. They're not the same as Cthulian insanity rules. Yeah, there's that. Okay, what well, makes a save? Tables. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are such a great couple. <laughs> we, we work so well together. You rolled really well on those marriage tables, man. Yep. <laughs> yep. You're like Donnie and Marie, or Luke and Leia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't funny, is it, Sid? <laughs> now that's, e- well, okay, is that more East Texas you're complaining about? The- okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, no, I, I like the way... I agree with Jim. When you first get into it, it, it I, I liked how the intro to the game was basically written like a new members or a new students packet. And there are parts of the of the rules that kind of read almost like a college uh, directory or that little program book you get at the beginning of each semester. So that was kind of cool. As far as the supernatural settings, like I said, I saw the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, but I never watched a TV show. But Liz and I watched a show called Reaper, which went on for two seasons. And I I get the impression that it was a very similar trope. Mm, That's much funnier, I think, than Buffy was. But Okay, so Buffy was a bit more serious? It started off serious with light comedy traits in it and then it gets puffy didn't have know. to wait until she was a senior in college to be the chosen one let me tell you oh yeah that's true so more kind of like a marvel movie or something uh, yeah she has well you saw the movie so you got the gist of it didn't right you? I mean, but that's why i wasn't sure about you know i didn't think i wanted a lot of comedy but i was wrong because reaper has a lot of comedy and that was fun so oh yeah reaper's tons of comedy so yeah i would i would uh <laughs> In fact, I if I ran this, it would probably be set as kind of a reaper sort of thing, trying to catch escaped souls and that. Or, but I'd probably make it demons or something. That way they can. Well, they put plenty so of Mike, demons. That's in. what makes a save. What saves for half? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of Savage Worlds. I I do not like no. the system. I think it works well in certain settings, I suppose, if you're into that sort of thing, but it just it isn't my bag. It won a bunch of innies. It, however many thousand People players can't be wrong, but yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Well, I mean, they're wrong as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's we all have our own tastes, and I wanted to like Savage Worlds, but it just something just refused to click. And I and it wasn't just the cards, but you know, just I don't know. It just didn't didn't really grab me. So if I use this, I would use it, but with another game system. So who's actually played Savage Worlds? Corbett, have you? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let me let me. Can I derail this for a second, Mike? 
Sure. Yeah, go for it. I just I have an honest question. So Corbett, it seems like the Savage Worlds rule system is written and built to for a different play style entirely. So is it more of like plot point storytelling kind of story, which are very popular and and if you enjoy them, that's fine. It's geared with the idea to be a, a combative element like fate is set up or you you're storytelling however they have dice rolling rules it's cinematic so you can, yeah you can escape and throw away the the cards all together and, and and just do it like let's roll these numbers out and hit it so oh, it to... can be a punch and shoot your way out of it kind of game but it's also designed to be a storytelling game. Yeah, I'm not asking so, to be a yes. wise ass. I'm genuinely interested. So to the to the right of fate, but to the left of something like whatever that system is in Mouse Guard. Yeah, it's it's, it's a little pools. bit adjustable. It's adjustable to what you want it to be because they wanted to make a universe like every everything that since GURPS. Yeah, the Great Crayo Quest. I want a universal role playing game. They made it to where they can shift the rule system to the game set style you want. So it's kind of cool that way. But because of that, it feels like like a wash to me yeah so yeah i agree like it's like gurps whereas the the systems and the reference books are great do i play the game yeah not really yeah sorry for the sidetrack mike no problem all right that has been east texas university by 12 to midnight games for the savage world engine a perfectly good game system if that's for you hope you've enjoyed listening say good night everybody good night see ya stake them if you got them i wonder if i could take briarch as a major let me look that up. <laughs> if you pledge the Tau Delta Briarch. Oh, but I heard there are a lot of goblins. The cake party's the cake party. Now <laughs> we're out. Bring on your the Safer Half Podcast is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Safer Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. I lay on low